0: Hello. This is Trained by Grace Two with Catherine Elizabeth, and we're going through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a mixed book. It has about three time periods in it. Isaiah was during the last was a prophet during the last kings of of Judah, and. Um, during that time, the people were not looking at Babylon as the ultimate threat quite yet. Um, because Assyria had come and conquered Israel. Um, they were still threatening Judah. But it's interesting because Isaiah, there's so many things in Isaiah that I've written that were written that when you look back on them, they tell you essentially that Isaiah was a prophet with a lot of facts that later proved to be true. Um to the point that many consider Isaiah to have been written afterwards, it's so accurate. Um, there's no way for us to prove that one way or the other. I'm just saying the debate is there. We are in chapter 5. And interestingly, chapter 5 is set in a vineyard. Vineyards come up throughout the Bible. Vineyards are, are often a theme. They even come up in the Gospels a couple of times. Um, so let's start with Isaiah 5 and listen to how this particular vineyard story goes. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes. But... It yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? So he's basically saying, first of all, wild grapes are pretty pretty much useless as far as wine is concerned um and they're I, I actually had some wild grapes in a in a little garden somebody thought it was a good idea to plant and the problem was they went everywhere they were they were as voracious as weeds and again you know you can try to lattice them and do all sorts of things but they they grow very quickly and they're really again not good for for wine. So this is what God is saying is that this vineyard has gone rampant with these wild grapes and there's nothing to do with it. So um, verse five, and now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. What God was saying here is, the justice system in Judah had broken down way before Babylon. And so because of that, there were some things running rampant through the culture that just required absolute action. Verse 8, Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field, until there is no more room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. The Lord of hosts has sworn in my hearing, surely many houses shall be desolate, large and beautiful houses without inhabitant. For ten acres of vineyard shall yield but one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield but an ephah. Now remember the people of judah were supposed to follow god's laws as far as the dividing up between families of the land well if one person has got this huge amount of field to field and house to house it means that they're taking advantage of that system and the families that had lived there prior to that so <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of what he was referring to in this lack of justice. You've got this one group that's just taking over all the land and the other group that really doesn't have any place to go. Verse 12, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute and wine at their feasts but they do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of His hands." Now, those feasts are pretty complicated. I read a book um, regarding different rituals in regards to life and death, and many of them dealt with harvest rituals, especially in this ancient time in, in even Israel, unfortunately. And so when he's talking about feasts he's not talking about what we're thinking about is just feasts for food although there were some of those but some of these feasts are celebrations to other gods and God is aware of that um verse 13 therefore my people go into exile for lack of knowledge their honored men go hungry and their multitude is parched with thirst therefore shale has enlarged its appetite And opened its mouth beyond measure, and the nobility of Jerusalem and her multitude will go down, her revelers and he who exalts in her. Man is humbled, and each one is brought low, and the eyes of the haughty are brought low. But the Lord of hosts is exalted in justice, and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. Then shall the lambs graze as in their pasture, and nomads shall eat among the ruins of the rich." Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin, as with cart ropes, who say, Let him be quick, let him speed his work, that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near, and let it come, that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil, who put darkness for light, and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, and shrewd in their own sight, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. So it's, they're saying, We haven't seen the evidence of, of God judging. We're getting away with this, so why not? And they continue. God is patient, but He's not forever. Verse 24, Therefore, as the tongue of fire devours the stubble, and as dry grass sinks down in the flame, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom go up like dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he stretched out his hand against them and struck them, and the mountains quaked and their corpses were as refuse in the middle of the midst of the streets. For all this his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. He will raise a signal for nations far away, and whistle for them from the ends of the earth, and behold, quickly, speedily they come. None is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps, not a waistband is loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharp, all their bows bent. Their horses' hoofs seem like flint, and their wheels like the whirlwind. Their roaring is like a lion. Now that's an important hint here. Like young lions, they roar, they growl, and seize their prey. They carry it off, and none can rescue. They will growl over it on that day, like the growling of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened its clouds again, Isaiah's prophecy is earlier than Babylon even comes the big kingdom at the time was Assyria, and lions were a symbol of Babylon, and it mentions far away and there's there's a time where Um, one of the kings invites in people from far away. It's like, okay, and he shows them their entire treasury, and God tells him that entire treasury is going to go to that country. And he says, but they're so far away. And God, you know, tells him that's what's going to happen. Isaiah's prophecy was actually before that, as far as timeline, as far as we can tell. So this lack of justice was going to be met. And Babylon did attack Jerusalem and Judah and set up vassal kings and, um, who rebelled. And then they totally routed Jerusalem. So here you've got this repetition of, yes, they're attacked, but then they're really attacked. And all you see is smoke and fire over it. And Jerusalem was burnt. There's a section. I was just looking this up. Look it up on Wikipedia, if you would like, um, regarding the archaeological findings about Jerusalem. And one of them states that it was set on fire, and they found this section of plaster that they figured out was heat, got heated up to at least 600 degrees, like on fire. Jerusalem was destroyed. So, Isaiah is telling them, "Quit messing around with us. God is going to judge." They keep saying, "Well, we haven't seen God judge yet. Let him go ahead." Nanny boo boo is essentially what that section is. We need to be very careful when people start denying. That God is going to judge and start calling evil good and good evil. Culture tends to do that. Human culture over time, before Noah it happened, Sodom and Gomorrah it happened, um, the the various land, various tribes, various groups in Canaan, which is the whole reason Israel was sent to conquer them. It happened. They knew who God was, and they purposefully twisted their culture to something that was just horrible, and bloodshed was on their hands. And here, Israel's culture had had gotten to that point, and Israel had gone in exile to Assyria. And here we are with Judah in the same situation, in. God is saying, hey guys, not good. The same thing is repeating itself. And I'm just gonna tell you it's gonna be the end of the vineyard. Um it's really there's there's gonna be a deep destruction here. And nobody I mean there are a couple of kings in here that do listen to Isaiah. Uzziah was dying by the time um, Isaiah prophesied. And Uzziah had leprosy, which is kind of a connotation back to our earlier section. Um, And so they just really weren't... They had all the people telling them what they wanted to hear... And they weren't listening to Isaiah and watching Isaiah. We need to be careful. Just because it's loud, just because it's the most, doesn't make it right. Let's pray. Father God, if you were looking in my heart as a vineyard, I give you full permission to uproot uproot the weeds. If there's any injustice in me, straighten it out. Help me to be good um, and kind and loving to other people. Help me to seek your kingdom first. God, thank you for your patience but help me not to think that patience means that you're not going to judge something because you will forgive me where I have fallen and failed. Forgive us where we've fallen and failed and cleanse our hearts. Help us to be willing to quit being wild and submit to your leadership as our gardener. Um, Help us to be in your garden and not fraught with weeds and trampling and fire. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for continually calling for us, continually seeking after us. Help us to listen to your call and help us to seek after you in return. In Jesus' precious name. To you be the glory and the honor and the power and the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Hi, this is Train My Grace 2 with Catherine Elizabeth, and if you would like to know more, about having a relationship with Jesus, or need a Bible, or need prayer, or want to join this podcast, Proclaiming His Excellencies, please send me an email at trainbygrace2 at gmail.com, and in the subject line put podcast, and I'll be happy to get back with you and and pray for you. Um, God bless you, and remember, you are one of His excellencies.